Father, we just pray that the uh, time this morning, uh, getting into your word and, and uh, thinking through what communion has uh, in store for us, would be, Lord, just a time where you are honored, where Jesus is lifted up, and where all that he's done to plan and prepare uh, a uh, time for us to worship and honor him uh, would, be, would be obvious, would be able to be known. So we trust you for that. Pray that you'd be honored in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You bet. How many of you uh, have a favorite meal? Do you have a favorite meal? Something, every time you think of it, you kind of go, oh, man, that is so good. No? I can see it. You're not raising your hands. Okay? Okay. Maybe, maybe you're fasting today. I don't know. Okay. Uh, all right? You don't want to admit it. Uh, anybody have a favorite restaurant? A favorite restaurant? I like to go out to eat, and my wife is a drop-dead great cook, but uh, I just like going out and seeing everybody, I think, and so I could go out and just have a Coke and be fine, but uh, I, I like going out to eat and I have favorite restaurants and, and uh, it seems like uh, when you think about eating together, Jesus did a lot of that and uh, wherever he ate, uh, things were transformed, good things happened. And just as a reminder, the, the Lord's Supper that we're going to celebrate today, communion, the, the Last Supper, was actually a Passover meal that Jesus uh, shared with his friends. It's his last uh, meal with his friends and the whole Passover Seder, the order of the, of the service, was all laid out from years gone by uh, by the Jewish rabbis. Now, the, you remember the Passover uh, Seder, uh, the, the meal itself, was commemorating the Exodus, wasn't it? It was commemorating the Passover and what happened then. Back in Exodus chapter 5, uh, God had uh, uh, allowed his people to go down to Egypt. They had become slaves of the Pharaoh in Egypt. And... Uh, they were uh, in captivity. They were being treated very badly. Uh, God told Moses to come and tell Pharaoh, Pharaoh, you need to let my people, the Israelites, leave your country and go into the, into the wilderness and eventually into the promised land. Well, Pharaoh was uh, less uh, enthused, to say the least. Uh, this was his workforce, wasn't it? He was using the Israelites as his slaves to build his kingdom. And so he, was, he said, I don't think so. And so God used... Uh, ten uh, seminars for him. Uh, they were plagues, actually, but uh, they, uh, uh, they were opportunities for, for Pharaoh to kind of get the message. And so each one taught Pharaoh a little bit about this creator God that Moses had introduced into the picture. Well, long and the short of it is, there were ten of them, but the last one, if you'll remember, if you've read that account, the last one was, a, uh, was the worst plague, and it was a plague where uh, all the uh, firstborn children of the Egyptians died. And uh, Pharaoh was told this would happen. And God had told the Israelites, all his people, if you'll take the blood of a lamb, of a sheep, and put it over the doorpost, the entry area of your house, I will pass over your home, and your firstborn child will be spared. And that's exactly according to the scriptures. That's exactly what happened. That the Israelites' children were spared, the Egyptians' children died. Well, because of that and because of the power of that, Pharaoh decided, I, I'm going I'm to relent. I'm going to let, let these people go. And so Moses took about a million plus people, Israelites, out of Egypt into the desert and onto the promised land. That's found in the book of Exodus because it was the Exodus. Just a little, little connection there. Okay. In the book of Exodus, you have that whole account. And so because of that, 
God didn't want his people to forget this. He wanted his people to remember who he was. And so they, they began a yearly Passover meal. And everything in that meal began to, um, uh, we'll get to that in just a second, began to uh, commemorate what went on during that time. Everything in the meal was symbolic. It had uh, uh, meaning to remind them of how good God had been to them and how powerful he was. Every element was significant. And the purpose of the Passover meal, and this is to help you kind of fill in your notes page there, the purpose of your Passover meal was to remind them of God's loving faithfulness and his plan to save them and redeem them. Redeem, to deem again, to take something that was lost and deem it again in its original purpose. To redeem something. Remember that, would you? He wanted them to never to forget who he is and that he alone is their creator, the God who took care of them. So um, as the Passover meal uh, went on, their response was to be three things, okay? Uh, they They were to have gratefulness toward God, worship toward God, and loving obedience towards his commands. So their gratefulness led them to worship him, and their worship and saying, God, whatever you want me to do, led them to obey his commands. That was the purpose of that meal in a nutshell. So during the Passover, uh, the, Jesus, the Passover meal that Jesus celebrated with his friends, the disciples, he included three new, new things, three new additions or elements into this uh, meal that really uh, were very unexpected. <laughs> to the disciples. Have you ever had a meal where something unexpected happened? You had it all laid out and, and all of a sudden something happened that you just didn't ex- uh, expect. Have you ever had that happen? Yeah? Anybody have a two-year-old? Preschooler? Okay. Things that just didn't, I didn't, didn't know that was going to happen. Well, that's kind of what happened in the, in the Passover. Jesus uh, introduced three things uh, that uh, uh, surprised them. I remember when I was at a at a dinner in Billings. We were, I was on Faith Church, Faithy's uh, staff, and we were, we were interviewing a, a new pastoral candidate and his wife. And so we went out to Olive Garden after we were all done, and there was a, the whole pastoral staff, a large group of people, and sat down, and we all ordered. In a few minutes, the order started coming, and man, there were enough plates. There were plates all over the place, and this table was not that big. It was uh, kind of a moderate-sized table for the amount of people that had gathered around it. So the plates began to just stack up on the on the table, and I looked over to, uh, to my right, and Mark Johnson, our youth pastor, our student pastor, was sitting just a couple uh, places down from me, and I noticed, man, Mark was always kind of a sharp dresser, and today he had on, it was in the summer, on a pair of just really, like, looked like brand new white shorts, cutoffs. And I thought, man, those are just really, uh, they really shine there, Mark. And so the, the orders kept coming, and, and uh, pretty soon the final order came, and there was two plates, and the, the waitress sat it down, and all the plates were up against it. She didn't have any place to put them, so she was just going to make some room. So she just gave it a little shove. Well, they were all connected. <laughs> and so, so the, uh, the large plate of spaghetti that, that Mark had, had ordered with the red sauce um, just slid right off, upside down, and dropped into his lap on his shorts. And uh, I thought, well, this is going to be interesting. And... What made it more memorable to me was not just that unexpected uh, uh, situation, but uh, Mark's wife, Denise, 
thought it was hilarious. And she began to laugh so hard. We almost had to resuscitate her, you know. She was trying to find air. She was just having way too much mileage off this. And I thought, well, this is going to be interesting. Well, yeah, I'd like to be in the car on the way home. And... uh, so Mark just, Mark just picked it up and in a very gracious manner, didn't embarrass the, the waitress or anything else, and just took it out and, and uh, cleaned it up and went out and uh, took care of uh, cleaning off her shorts. It was just a gracious guy. And I thought, that's a godly man. It's a godly man. If you can handle that in front of all your friends. And we, uh, we didn't let him forget it over the next few weeks. But um, it, was, it was just very unexpected. Changed the whole climate of the meal. And that's what's going to happen here in the Passover meal with Jesus and his disciples. These new interjections into this meal are going to be, uh, going to be very unique, to say the least. So during the, the uh, Passover meal, there was a, a time uh, where the first element, new element, was introduced. was just before, uh, just after this uh, a uh, time where they dipped their hands in, in the Passover meal in some water and, dry, and washed them ceremoniously and dried them off to remind uh, us that we are to be pure before God, we're to be clean, be washed before God. And um, the, uh, the disciples did that, and we're expecting to move on to the next element. But Jesus got up, took off his robe, and uh, his outer, outer garment and wrapped a towel around him. And you remember this. And he knelt down and he began to wash the disciples' feet. The, the dirt of Jerusalem was all over, the, all over their feet. And he began to wash one and then the next one. And then he, he came to Peter and says, So he got up from the table and took off his robe, wrapped the towel around his waist, poured water from the basin. Then he began to wash his disciples' feet. Let's move on there. Drying them with a the towel uh, he had around them. Then Jesus came to Simon Peter and Peter said to, to him, Now note this, Lord... <laughs> Are you going to wash my feet? Well, that's interesting. Jesus replied this. You know, Peter, you don't understand what I'm... What I'm uh, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. And Peter said, No, Lord. You will never, ever wash my feet. That's interesting to me that he would say that to the Lord. Okay? Uh, Jesus replied, Unless... I wash you, you won't belong to me. And Simon Peter, I'm sure his eyes got big and said, well then, Lord, wash my hands, wash my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Does that strike you odd that, um, that Peter would say, Lord, no, you will not wash my feet. I thought, you know, if somebody's the Lord, you're supposed to kind of cooperate with them, don't you think? Right? How many times, folks, be, just to be blatantly honest, how many times in our life have we said, Lord, I love you, but I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm just not ready to, to get that done, and I'm just not going to do that. And if you'll notice what, what uh, Jesus said there to, to Peter, he said, um, hey, Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Well, you know, not everything in our life is a deal breaker with God, is it? But I could, I could picture uh, God saying something like this to you and me. Um, unless, I, unless this uh, area of your life is submitted to me, unless you're going to work with me on this and do what I want you to do, even though you don't understand it right now, 
um, we're, we'll probably have some difficult discussions. Because when we resist God, when we tell God we're not going to do something, or we just passively just don't do it and ignore God, it not only affects our relationship with Him, because it is a relationship He wants with us, but it also affects our relationship with other people as well. And so, may we, like Peter, folks, as we get ready to, to uh, uh, take communion today, may we, like Peter, say something like, then, Lord, not, not just my, my feet, but my hands and my head also. Which is code for saying, Lord, not only will I do what you want me to do, but I will do it promptly and I'll do it with enthusiasm. Right? I'm, I, count me in. I, I don't understand this, but I'm going to do it. And it was this time during Peter's life that God was preparing them for the rest of the, the uh, Passover meal when he was asking, them, asking Peter and the rest of the men to humble themselves and be a servant. And if we went on with the passage there, we would see that. What we do matters to God, and our response to him matters. Humility is the first step. So the second unexpected addition in the meal came at the point where uh, uh, the Jews would take a, during the actual Passover meal, uh, the Jews would take what's called a matzotash, and it's a bag or a napkin of some sort that's been folded, so you could put three wafers of matzah in there. And I have three in here. I asked my wife to make me just like a napkin or something that would be a place to put these matzahs, and I came home and she, she made this. So I said, that's an upgrade. Okay. So, so I appreciate that. And, and uh, so they would take this matzotash, the container, and in the Old Testament, the, the rabbis never could really agree on why uh, there were three pieces of bread in it, uh, three pieces of unleavened matzah bread, some said it was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Some said it was other things. But if uh, you take note of a, a meal now that is put on by a Messianic Jew or in a Christian setting, uh, it's pretty clear that uh, the, uh, the symbolism has a lot to do with Jesus. The, the Old Testament Jews, uh, before Jesus was ever on the planet, uh, would take the middle piece of matzah bread, the middle piece. If I can find it. There it is. And they would take it out and do something with it. I won't tell you what that is right yet. But let's like take a look at Luke twenty two nineteen. okay? Let's pop that up there, would you? He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces, and instead of breaking one piece off, and they would hide it at that point, wrap it in a cloth and hide it. Instead, he handed it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, in the Old Testament, before Jesus had come, they would take this and break it, but they used unleavened bread uh, to remind them of the, of the Exodus because it was bread that didn't use uh, leaven or yeast. And uh, the Jews always related uh, symbolically, leaven or yeast to sin. Well, this bread was supposed to be made quickly and they didn't want to let it have time to rise because they needed, to, during the actual exodus, back in Exodus 5, they needed to get out of town, right? So they just made this bread quickly, ate it, and were ready to leave. Well, as the years went by, they began to place symbolism on it and they said, well, the leaven, you know, is sinful and so this is uh, 
This reminds us that we're not to have sin in our lives. And there were things even during the Passover meal that they would do <clears throat> to remove any kind of leaven or yeast or anything from the room because it represented sin. For you and I, as Christ followers, this piece of bread doesn't have any leaven in it. And the middle, um, the middle um, wafer represents the middle person of the Trinity. God the Father... God the Son, the middle wafer, God the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that uh, Jesus was sinless. The Bible says that he was uh, beaten and by his stripes we are healed. There are stripes in this matzah bread. Always have been. The Bible says he was pierced for our transgression. If, you, if I could hold this up to a light for you, you'd see all the hundreds of holes that matzah is pierced with. Take the middle wafer representing God the Son, God's sinless sacrifice for us. And the Bible says he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. It's a reminder that Jesus didn't just go through this uh, platonically or uh, symbolically. He hung on a cross with nails through his hands and feet, and the bread reminds us of his suffering, what he's done for us to take the punishment for our sin. It's something that when we take the bread, we should reflect on the fact that this was done for me. I'm not punished because my Savior took my punishment. The sinless Savior of the world died for me. The matzah bread reminds us of his suffering. Jesus said, do that in remembrance of me when you do this. The third area uh, during the Passover meal that Jesus interjected that was a, truly a surprise to the guys was during the time where they took the, uh, 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 during the meal they took four cups and it was during that time that one of, the <clears throat> one of the cups, the cup of redemption, was about to be taken. And Jesus picked up the cup and said something like this. The Bible says that that uh, this is the, the uh, scripture that he presented. He said he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it, and he gave it to them, and he said, each of you drink from this, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It's poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. The juice of the wine that's in, during our communion service is a reminder that God... Uh, honestly, folks, take sin seriously. Uh, God knows that sin will ruin our life, either right now or down the line. And he said that the, the only way we can deal with this is through the death of someone's life being taken. All the lambs and the sacrifices in the Old Testament were to remind them that sin is serious, it causes death. And when we, the lambs were slain, that was to remind the, the Jews that God takes sin seriously. And so when Jesus came uh, to this point, he said, this is my, my blood, which is to remind you that I'm going to die for you because blood is a reminder of death. It is, the life is in the blood. When the, death, when the blood is shed, death is a result. Jesus' blood was shed for us, and his death 
took the, pen, took the punishment for our, our sins. And Hebrews 9.22 says, there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. There's no remission of sins. So, in the Passover meal, Jesus took the cup, reminding us of his death, and reminds us that sin is serious to God. Some, sometimes the, uh, the uh, meal that we plan uh, is significant simply because of all the sacrifice that's gone into it. And Jesus was, was introducing this cup of redemption as a reminder that he came to redeem them as well. And so that was part of the plan. Um, you know, planning and sacrifice and all that that goes into a meal makes it meaningful. And I, I can remember uh, a few years ago, I think I've been married 37 years, so it would be 27 years ago. So I, man, I can almost not remember that far back. Um, on our 10th anniversary, Connie and I decided that we would go back to where we had our honeymoon on the Oregon coast and celebrate our 10th anniversary. And we were going to eat at the same restaurant, which was overlooking a big bay where the breakers were breaking on the rocks. It was just a real, real pretty place. And so I said, let's, let's do that. And I said, why don't I, why don't I get your ring cleaned before, uh, before we go on our 10th anniversary? Okay, so she gave me a ring, and I took it in, and I gave it to the jeweler, and I said, hey, I'll tell you what. What I'd like you to do, I'd like you to clean the ring, but I'd like you to take uh, the, uh, the wedding band which had five little diamonds on it, on one side. Uh, and I'd like you to mirror that and make five, uh, make another wedding band to mirror that on the other side so that uh, there are ten small diamonds around the, around the main diamond. I said, uh, uh, could you do that? I said, oh yeah, we can make a mole and do that. So, so I left and went back home, and it was about three weeks before the, the uh, wedding day, or uh, the anniversary date, and uh, about three days before the the anniversary, my wife says, so where's the ring? Man, honey, you know, it takes a long time to clean a ring. It's just, uh, I stalled her as much as I could. Uh, to, I, uh, I didn't actually lie that I remember. But um, bottom line was, she kept asking, so is the ring's going to be here for anniversary? And I said, I hope so. And so the anniversary day came and the ring wasn't there. And uh, my wife is not a nag and she's not a mean person. But she wasn't happy. Okay? And so I said, hey, we're going to celebrate anyway, hon. Don't worry about it. We're going to have a great time anyway. So we went to the coast. We went to the restaurant where we ate on our honeymoon. And we uh, had the gorgeous view. We weren't at the, quite the same table, but it was everything else was exactly the same. Ordered the same meal we ate then, and it was just great. The waitress left, and I reached in my pocket. And I pulled out this box, and I set it on the table, and I popped it open. And I said, I love you, hon. And, uh, you know, I was forgiven. <laughs> what made it more significant to my wife was that we just got finished three years of seminary and we weren't long on money. And uh, she knew that somebody had saved up uh, to get that done. And uh, uh, it was meaningful because of the plan and the sacrifice, and the fact that it represented uh, someone who loved her. And folks, I hope, you, I hope you can conceive of all that God has done that makes that look just almost insignificant. It's significant to me, but, you know, from the Passover up to today, do you realize how much God has done to express I love you to each one of you here this morning? 
God loves you. He, he started that whole process of the Passover meal. He came to this time where Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood. Uh, I'm going to die on the cross to redeem you, to allow you to be back into a right relationship with your Heavenly Father. So much planning has gone into something that we just do so quickly. And, it, and it, it is quick. But it can be as meaningful as you want it to be when you realize what God has done to bring you to today. It's intended to be something, Jesus said, that we do in remembrance or as we remember what he's done for us. There are significant times in our life when when we get an opportunity to remember really important stuff. Communion's going to be that today, I hope, for you. The bread represents the suffering and brokenness of a sinless Savior and how, he, how his suffering restored us to right relationship with God. The wine is in the same manner. It reminds us of his death and that the shedding of blood is what God sees as the payment for our sin. It's our redemption, just like the cup of redemption in the Passover was intended to, to remind them that God redeemed them out of, out of Egypt. God has redeemed us. Can you think of what your life would be like if you had not been forgiven and turned yourself, turned your life over to God? What would it be like Think of those things when you take communion. The bread represents the suffering, the juice, the death of Christ. So when we take the elements, Jesus said, do this and remember what I've actually done for you. It's in a mixture of humble reflection that we, uh, that we take communion today. And I'd like you to, to understand the fact that if you're a Christ follower here today and you've, you've come to know Christ as your Savior, you have the ability to have common union, communion with Christ. And you're welcome to take this from wherever you are, uh, even if you're a visitor here today and you love Jesus. If you're still figuring out your relationship with Christ, you're welcome just to, to uh, tell God that, uh, hey, you know, I'm working on this. And I need to understand what you want from me. And if you'd like to ever come and uh, speak to John or me or Pastor Brian in the the days and weeks coming, we'd love to do that uh, with you and just sit down and talk about what it means to be a Christ follower. But today, for those of you that are going to take communion, there there are five stations here and here and there and there and another one that I'm pointing to that I can't find. Where's the other one? Right in the middle. There we go. Thank you. Just for your information, the one in the corner near the exit there uh, is gluten-free bread, uh, is available there if that uh, is a a part of your diet uh, need, and it's it's in that corner there. Come uh, in a minute and take the bread, dip it in the cup, and and remember what has, has been prepared for you, not just by the people that prepared the elements, but for hundreds of years, what Jesus has done to bring you to this point.